And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 204 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, how's it going hey, this week? Good. Last week it was just you and Jen. This week it's just you and I. Yes. Yeah. Scheduling. Yes, it is a puzzlement. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. We're not the only one having issues with scheduling and stuff lately, huh? No. Um, one might say that normalcy is uh, a relic of a bygone era. Yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the on, the only thing that's normal is things not being normal, right? Yeah. Yes. Um I have spent my week recording podcasts and working and reading comics and playing video games. So it's actually not too weird for me other than okay. just never leaving my house, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um and actually having time to play video games, I've spent a lot of time on Pokemon and uh farming flowers on Krakoa, my island on Animal Crossing. Beautiful. Beautiful, sir. I'm going to have to come visit your, your island of Krakoa. Yes. Come visit. You can maybe even take some flowers if you want. We'll see. Ah, excellent, excellent. What's your yeah. fruit? Uh, I have everything but cherries at this point, but pears are native. Ah, okay. Um, And in fact, after we record, I am going to my brother's island, or he's coming to mine, and I will be acquiring cherries ah, from him. Excellent. excellent. Yes. Agriculture has become a central focus of Krakoa. <laughs> Planting and growing things? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I've cross-pollinated <laughs> some flowers. Mutations have occurred. I love it. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, my island basically has another island in the middle because of the way the rivers are formed. Hey, so does the one that my daughter started. How about that? And uh, I've built no bridges to that central island. It is just for horticulture. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um, how about you? How was your week? <laughs> Uh, my week's been pretty good. Uh, my my very similar. My daughter started a uh, an island, and I say that because I don't know if any but it, it, anybody that plays on the same system at all has to share a single island. Yes. Yeah. So so I am you know living on her island and doing that, but mostly honestly uh, since. She was waiting for an Animal Crossing-themed Switch, so we just got one like two weeks ago. Uh, so I've been playing Breath of the Wild mostly. Cool. Which I love. That is also an excellent game. Oh my god, it's so good. But I've been doing that and, and you know, obviously reading pretty much. Yeah. Yes, I, I am completely caught up on podcasts and use audiobooks to fill the time. I have started N.K. Jemison's The City We Became this week, yeah. which is like uh, an urban fantasy magic kind of thing. I like it's yeah. good. It's about these avatars of the city of New York and kind of a swamp thing sort of way. Yeah. So. so speaking of scheduling, right, obviously we should probably talk about the state of the comics industry a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and cover that up top so we're not ending on a bummer. Exactly. Um, so, um, as far yeah. as anyone knows, and by all 
uh, reasoned predictions. This past week is the last week for the immediate future for weekly comics releases. Uh, The distributor that receives comics from the printers that each publisher uses and then distributes them to retailers has stopped receiving incoming shipment. Which is an important distinction because you can still get trades and you can still get things that are already in stock there. Your shop can order them um of course in some states comic shops are closed because or cities comic shops are closed because of shelter in place orders there are a number of factors uh in play yeah so and at least two two publishers have already announced they're not releasing digital issues next week we don't know about others yet yeah um but in all likelihood, most publishers will make that call if they haven't already. Yeah, I would think so. Um, one publisher I will mention in the other direction is TKO. Mm, right. Has announced that half of the purchase price of any books you buy directly from them, uh, when you check out, you can pick a comic shop and designate them as the recipient of that half of that purchase price, uh, which basically means a comic shop will get the same cut they would get if they they ordered that book from TKO and sold it to you. Right. They're just getting it directly from yeah. TKO without having to buy it and then sell it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have already done this and ordered a couple of trades and picked my comic shop of choice from the list. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is a super, super generous offer from them because in all honesty, they're not losing really anything. Yeah. And, you know, neither is, and, and you're still hoping, helping your local comic book shop, which yeah. is great. Um, and of course, if your shop is open, they may be doing curbside pickup or shipping things for you and letting you pay over the phone. So could be, could be. If you, if you want to catch up on some trades, this is going to be a good time (laughs) for that. And we're still figuring out exactly what we're going to do, but we'll probably do something in that same vein of catching up on things or sharing things with each other that we want each other to read yeah but the uh, i i <laughs> i told my daughter the conspiracy theorist in me said oh wait a minute this whole covid night the whole covid thing this was just a plan by animal crossing fans knowing that in a few weeks they were going to have to stay inside to play anyway wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> i could say the same for myself in the fact that i desperately needed a break to try to get caught up on all the books that i'm so behind on yeah 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 uh, we actually are recording this later than planned so that Brian could catch up on things, including the Immortal Hulk. Yeah, we're actually going to talk about our murder hurt. It's going to be great. Um, I think that's enough of that. We I will. Do too. I do too. Once we settle on a plan for next week, uh, I'll tweet out what we're talking about so that if anyone wants to read along ahead of time, they've got some time to do that. I like it. Yep. Um, and for now, let's talk about, let's do this the normal way. For yeah, let's what... talk about what did come out this week in <laughs> yeah. comics. Uh, Amethyst number two. Oh, man, I'm... part of this is just the fact that I get to read an Amethyst book. Part of it is the fact that I think it's actually pretty darn good. Uh... <laughs> I want to I want to ask you a question because uh-huh. I don't have the context for it. Sure. When we talked about number one, uh, one of the things you said then was part of what you like about it is that it feels the same while still being updated, but without really changing any of the history and mythology. Right. Does that still track for you with this? Um, so yes and no. Um, and, and the reason I say that is 
this is very definitely shifting what that history is kind of going to be and what I mean by that. And we'll talk about what I mean by that in, in just a minute. But it doesn't invalidate what did happen. Cool. If that makes and, and you know, comics can successfully do that sometimes where they a, a good example of that would be in my opinion captain marvel right when they told us who her mother really was recently yeah. but it didn't change anything that happened previously it just gave us new insight and now we it, it's kind of like real life when you get more information oh it can color how you view what did happen but it doesn't change the fact that it happened cool right? yeah that was the vibe i got without having read any but I wanted to wanted to see if that was the case for you too. Yes, um, I love the fact that the healing crystals book that her Earth parents gave her <laughs> actually did come in handy and kind of worked. Yes, that was <laughs> unexpected and delightful. Yes, that and I love her new friends. Yeah, I was a big fan of the shocking reveal in this issue. The worm can run. The worm can run. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> the running worm maybe that's a new i don't know <laughs> it's like you you're trying to do two different dances at the same time only i don't know how that would work i was gonna say the running worm is no, my new band name but maybe it's just an album name i like that better i think the name of your new pub <laughs> the running worm Ooh, i like how edgy it is because it's almost gross but not quite <laughs> yeah you have an ex- a, a, a significant tequila selection? Ah, uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. All right, so real quickly, so there, I mean, if you have not read this yet and you're going to, I'm going to do a little bit of spoiling here. Um, we, we really found out last issue, so I feel like it's really not spoilers, um, that, you know, Opal announced that her parents were actually still alive. And by her parents, I mean her birth parents, Lord and Lady Amethyst. Um, but in this issue, she finds out. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's the history that changes because in the original story, uh, her parents had died. But it turns out, that's why I say it doesn't, like, invalidate it in any way because everyone thought they were dead. Yeah. So all of what happened did happen. It happened the way that it happened, et cetera, et cetera. We just now know that they didn't have all the information that we do now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Amethyst also learns that all of the rest of her people, the people of her kingdom, are... Yep. Like her parents have been trapped in amethyst. Yes. Sheltering in place. Social distancing. Sheltering. There you go. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is, I'm, I'm really digging this. I, I think they're doing yeah. a real good job with this and I can't wait to read more. Yeah. This, and this issue kind of opens up a little bit more. I appreciated yeah. a lot of the background in issue one, but this covers more ground gives us more like more of this story rather than catching up those of us like me who yeah don't know the characters super well agreed agreed uh how about batman superman number eight um yeah so this is kind of the the end of this arc that is um it was kind of it's kind of interesting actually it was kind of presented as ra's al ghul and zod versus batman superman yeah and Really kind of subverted that in that it was really Zod with a plan who needed to use Raish, who was then opposed against him, and Batman and Superman are kind of sort of caught in the middle and want to stop the plan also, but, you know, obviously don't want to support necessarily Raish and anything. Yeah. So it's kind of a three-sided thing in some ways. Um, but 
and this happened last issue, so this is not spoilers. Um, Zod's plan essentially was to take Kandor, who, which was all the people in Kandor were killed when Rogal Zar yep. destroyed the bottled city. Um, and he takes it and uh, places it into a Lazarus pit. And that goes great. Wow, that can't go good, can it? <laughs> and guess what? It doesn't. Um, so you essentially have thousands of flying gnat-sized super people. Yeah. <laughs> Kryptonians, powered Kryptonians, uh, flying all around this temple where the Lazarus Pit was and fighting Superman and Batman. And I, I love, like, like you know, n not no one of them could have an effect, but, like, there's, like, you know, I don't know, 250 or 500, however many it is, a large number of them breathing super breath at one time, so it has an effect. I feel like that one that crawled in Rachel Ghoul's ear and then burst yeah. out the side of his head had some effect. Yeah, I was, I was gonna get to that. That's definitely, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Did not like that at all. You snagglepussed um, a little bit there. <laughs> did not care for that. Um, but what we essentially get to is um, all of them are kind of taken out by Raish. He has... It, it, I, I love how Batman Raish is in this issue. This is always my favorite like take on Raish, where he uh -huh. is so much a foil to Batman, just with... If Batman's rule is no killing, right. Raish's rule is, no, we gotta kill pretty much everyone and start over. <laughs> yes, yes. Oops, but all course, killing. But but in the same vein of always having a way to, count, you know, some prepared something that will counter whatever situation might arise. Yeah. In this case, a red sun bomb. A red sun bomb, which he detonates, and they catch all of the people uh, back in Kandor, but... You know, they, they are still suffering mightily from Lazarus Pit resurrection sickness insanity. Yeah. So Superman places all of them in super stasis. Stasis. Yeah. In in the hall uh, in the Fortress of Solitude. Um but we find out that he only had half of the people from Kandor that um uh Zod has the other, the remaining half. Zod did not put all his Kandorians in one basket. In, in one bottle, correct. Um, so, you know, Batman's like, I guess we gotta go after him. And Superman's like, no, if, we're, if this truce that we have is actually gonna hold and work, then, you know, this is kind of part of that. That yeah. I have some of the legacy of Krypton and he has some of it. And we have to trust that although we do not agree in any manner in, you know, the methods, that we both want to do what's best for the Kandorian. Yeah, like, I like that that beat ties into what we've seen sort of predicted in Superman. Yes. Um, with... A new Krypton where El and Zod, if not live in harmony, at least like ally with each other and can get along. Yep. Also, my favorite panel of this is definitely Neil before Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, uh, that was nice. That was nice. I like the uh, I like the framing on each end, the first page and the last page too. Yes. Yeah, with Zod and his dad, and then essentially we get that replicated with Zod and his son. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Justice League Dark number twenty one. Man, this book's getting yeah this book's getting I I, I hesitate to say dark, dark but you know <laughs> Yes. Um, but yeah, like I kind I love where it's going right now. It's very and 
based on the the you know kind of the story they're telling in this arc, it makes sense. Yeah. But it 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 is very Swamp Thing, Animal Thing, Grant Morrison esque. It makes me so happy, so so happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we get Abby, and we get another Swamp. We get a couple more Swamp Thing characters. We get some Matt Cable. We do. Um, and we get the the v- big villain reveal at the end. Yes. Who is? I'm guessing he is the the Avatar of the Gray. Is that right? Well, he mentions the Black. Oh, he does. You're right. And we had talked last issue, they they rattled off like five parliaments instead of three Mm -hmm. this time. So I'm wondering if if the gray, I think they listed the gray and the rot separately last time even. They did. But maybe maybe the black is, is some kind of entropy if the rot still represents a kind of life. A fungal so it, life it makes, decay, uh, or because I'm trying to remember, because there it was, it was the red and the green. We know those are the two obvious yeah. ones, right? The There's red, the, the green, the rot. I feel like they said the gray, the gray, and the hybrid. Yeah, I think that's right. That's what I'm saying. They didn't mention a black, right? Yeah, I, I'm wondering if the gray has become the black. Maybe. Kind of like the green, you know, has shifted from the Parliament of Trees to the Parliament of Flowers. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I had not thought about it that way. Yeah, because the... I'm wondering. Because we don't know the rules. And... We, it, yeah, we don't. Or at least we, you and I don't. Well, and neither does Justice League Dark. Well, yeah, as correct, yeah. As uh, the Floronic Man tells Dr. Fate. Yep. Um, meanwhile, Buddy and Detective Chimp and Wonder Woman fight off a bunch of... Uh, oh, shoot. What was that video game with the... Fun uh, the called? Last of Us. The Last of Us. There we go. They fight yes. off some Last of Us characters. Yep, while... Zatanna and um, John Constantine go search for Abby Arcane. Yeah. And Zatanna has to do the best Bohemian Rhapsody quote. Yes. <laughs> is this Brian's quote of the week? It is not. Oh. Or not. But yeah. But I did I did really love So she's trying to hold off all these creatures that are swarming after them. And essentially, of course, backwards. She says, Galileo, very, very frightening Thunderbolt and Light. And it's... <laughs> Do you think her favorite album is The Dark Side of the Moon? Mm, that's a good question. I think No, I think that's Eclipso's favorite. <laughs> but famously, it is played backwards. Oh, this is true. I maybe so. Maybe The White Album. That could work, too. That could work. That could work. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, the, I, I'm yeah, sure we will get ones. more of that. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, the heart of the rot was a very cool design too. The heart of the rot was, again very. That was very Morrison esque, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I also like that we've got Yannick Paquette on covers for this. Just a little nod back to that uh, Scott Snyder Yannick Paquette run on the book. Yes. Yep. And uh, and John just taking the taking the uh, hallucinogenic dose. <laughs> <laughs> Love yeah. it. Yeah. I uh, I am glad. Like this book seems like a really great fit for Rom V. I I hope that he stays on it for a while. It is it is very very good in my opinion right now. Killing Red Sonia number one. Hey, there were some things in this book I did not expect me too talking um, animals are apparently a part of the red sonia verse and that is news to me well apparently i i get the feeling it's really kind of just one of them at least as far as we know <laughs> correct like like something happened to this to this boar obviously yeah that he can speak yes you know there's his uh, his keeper i guess is the best word i can think of for it 
um, it considers him to be witch cursed. So you know, but uh, but I I love his I love his personality. No, he is great. He is one of the standout characters in this issue. I think. Absolutely, I love how he wants to keep eating people because he thinks they're going to taste good. I mean, people eat plenty of pig. Oh yeah, it's called bacon. I know. Turnabout's fair play, I guess. Hey. I mean, pigs will eat pigs, too, so, you know. Yeah, no. it truly is a pig-eat-pig pig world out there. <laughs> yes, it truly is. Um, this is all about, which we knew this going into it, that uh, the story, this is the Emperor's son, the Emperor that was just recently killed in Red so- the main Red Sonja book. Um, this is his son vowing revenge against um, one of the people who betrayed his dad and Sonja. Yeah, and this is him setting out on that quest of vengeance. Um, and it, there's no Sonya in this book, at least no. so far. Um, no, I'm sure eventually we'll get a crossover or whatever uh, will, to, yeah, to sure resolve we'll it. Something. Um, no, this is very. He starts out off on his own, and that goes every bit as well as you'd expect. What, like a ten year old setting off alone would go, especially it, if that ten year old is not Damian Wayne. <laughs> I feel like Damien would be far more successful in this yeah. endeavor. <laughs> yes. He would not clothesline himself on a tree branch, lose his horse, and forget to pack any food. Correct. Yes. Um, what I was really surprised to learn in this, after he pulls together a team and a former general or whatever who is loyal and some other former soldiers and whatnot, I was surprised to learn that he does, in fact, know that Drogon was not his biological father. Well... He overheard that, didn't he? At some point, I seem like I seem to recall somehow we, us knowing that he knew that from the main series, but I don't remember right. specifically how. Uh, you may be right. I may have missed that because sometimes yeah. I am reading very quickly and miss. Yeah, like, hey, imagine that. Yeah, background detail. Yeah. Um, but I am also surprised he would say it out loud to someone and appreciate that their first response was, "Oh no, 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 never say this again. Never, never to say anyone. that anyone." I mean, yeah, he's clearly very much still a a, a child. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like that this seems to want to play in that ambiguity of of wanting to do something very hard but not hard as in like intense. Right. Also difficult but not having the skills or experience and maybe still being too innocent to actually do it. Um, and then some giants show up. Also, unexpected. Uh, yeah, I was not expecting giants either. I was, it's like, oh, okay, talking boars and giants. How about that? Yeah. There is more magic in Red Sonia Land than I knew. Which I knew there was magic in in you know the lands of Conan, Sonia, like folk, but I did not realize it extended to magical creatures really as much. Yeah. yeah. Or at least, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Amazing cool. Spider-Man number 42. Oh my god. What if Gog was one of us? <laughs> uh, yeah, or uh, AK, the history of Gog is this issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, you know, the last issue ended with uh, um, Boomerang and Spidey fighting Gog. And in, literally in this one, we get the history of Gog and... Like, where he came from and what his story is. And it is... Oh my god, I now love this character. You know what? Uh, as someone who is a pretty big fan of Spider-Man, I yeah. had never heard of Gog. I had no knowledge of this character. And yes, new favorite. Absolutely love. Fantastic. So, uh, also, it, it, very sad issue. Oh, oh yeah. Very much so. His, his backstory is not a happy one. Um... 
if you had said, you know, who is Gog and who is Gog in, in Amazing Spider, I would not have remembered who he was or anything. Um, I now know that I have, like, now that I have seen him and heard about, I now remember that he exists, but I didn't know literally anything about him like you. Yeah. Um, and this is this is really really wonderful. Yeah. Um, this whole run has been so different from Dan Slots, and I mean we're we're forty something issues in now. Oh yeah. Um, it's been so different, but it still works really really well. Uh, yeah. Like I I am super happy with where this is at and where it's going and what it's done so far. Uh, and I guess I mentioned it because I was a little hesitant going in and with some of the early threads that it set up, like intentionally sort of faking out trying to telegraph things it wasn't gonna do. Uh, yeah. Like I'm I'm really digging this, and this is it continues to surprise me, and I like it for that. I, I do too. I do too. Yeah. I am very much enjoying this. All right. Brian. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, you have gotten caught up on the Immortal Hulk. Dear Murder Hulk. I, I golly, I, this is a great <laughs> book right now. This is really, really fantastic. So we're kind of going to talk. I think we, uh, if, if it's all right, I want to talk about like the last probably three to four issues kind of all together. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's actually the best way to do it. Yeah. I love yeah. this book. I'm glad I am reading this book week to week, but this is absolutely one of those series that I will go back when it's all over at some point and reread in arcs and in long arcs, maybe even try to push through all at once. Who knows? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Because it's going to be a pretty long run, I think, by the time all is said and done. Um, But yeah, like I think we're kind of at the end of an arc here and a lot happens. I think talking about it that way is, is maybe the best way to do it. Yeah, and this was a big this was legacy issue number 750 yeah for hulk so uh they made it an oversized issue um and essentially what has been going on is roxon has been uh waging this campaign both uh mostly in the in the media and public opinion against hulk and banner yeah which leads um, them to like weaponize merchandising and weaponize nostalgia correct and they released these uh, um, kaiju essentially on several cities in the around the country. Um, and the Hulk folks, I, I was having read the whole thing. I'm not now. As I was reading it, I was surprised at how quickly and deftly they just like in a couple of panels take care of these. Yeah. Like, there's really not like big fight scenes or anything against them. They just win the. When Hulk and associated partners of Hulk currently um, show up, they just take care of them. Yeah. Rick Jones especially. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like very much a moment of, I think that fight is sort of split over two issues, like half of one and then the first half of another. Right. Um, right. And it's this, it's really this moment of reversal where we see the Hulk yep. get swallowed and we see him burst out and we see that cause more damage when all these little monsters spawn and the damage gets worse. And that sets up sort of the the challenge of this arc, uh, Zinmu. Zim Zimnu. Zimnu. Is it Zimnu or Zinmu? Let's find out. I do not remember off the top of my head. Zimnu. It's the okay. Zimnu. Yeah. Zimnu and the magic planet. Yes. Uh, yeah, which essentially he uses um, uh, the Mandela effect, which is like a mass kind of 
hip, not a, a mass misremembering of something. Yeah. The classic examples. To the, to the, the yeah. classic examples being people misremembering that Nelson Mandela had died when he had not, which is where the name comes from. Right. Uh, also, maybe more more prevalent in popular culture, misremembering the Berenstain Bears as the Berenstain Bears. Right. Or misremembering Critical Darling, Kazam, the Kazam, the Shack yeah. vehicle, as a Sinbad vehicle called Shazam. Yep, yep. Or um, another one is, um, they mentioned like Mirror Mirror on the Wall, which never actually was spoken that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a lot or, of famous movie lines that you can say that about, like, Luke, I am your father. Right. Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, but it's that kind of effect. But essentially, Zimnu is able to weaponize that to a point that he can make everyone think there was a television show when they were a kid that they watched called Zimnu and the Magic Planet, uh, and that Zimnu is now Hulk. Yes. Yes. But Zimnu, not Hulk. Hulk is Hulk. Hulk is only Hulk. Hulk has always Hulk. been Hulk. Hulk's is Hulk. All Hulk's yes. is Hulk. Hulk is only All Hulk Hulk's left. Is Hulk. Yes. Um. And like, yeah. And like, nobody understands what he's trying to tell them because Hulk and his rage can obviously remember that he is Hulk, not Zimnu. Yeah. Right. Z- Zimnu. God. God. And whenever Hulk um, tries to say he's the Hulk and Zimnu's not the Hulk, they hear like right. Uh, void fish garbledy gook speaking yes yeah. indeed uh but yeah but uh in the end <laughs> we get we get a character's return and i say a character cuz you know these are all kind of part of the same character yeah. they're all hulks well, and right? what we what we have not i think explicitly said is zimnu is working with agar at roxa like this oh is, yeah he is it yeah. is a two man con well Almost up until the end. Yeah, up until Agar finds out that Zimnu has been eating and converting all of his employees into part flesh, part robot automata, and uh, hungers still. Yes, he's very hungry. Yes. Yes. And we find out that there is a Hulk who is immune to uh, uh, Zimnu's uh, abilities. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the classic Plan- OG Hulk. Yeah, and that is Planet Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Who shows back up. I, I I am simultaneously fascinated and very disturbed by the fact that there are all of these different personalities and versions of Hulk that exist in Banner's mindscape. I mean, not even just of Hulk at this point. This, this arc introduces us to Robert Banner. Correct. Like, even Bruce is fracturing. Yes. Yeah. And it's almost like he's fracturing more and more. Yes. Yeah. Um but by the end of this it is they have taken care of the it, the problems but we discover that um we may have a bigger problem on our hands. Yeah. In the in the form of one of his uh, associates m- is not who we thought they were. No. And you might say that uh he's getting a big head. I pro- I'm sure he is. Yes. Yep, I love it. This is super, super good. Um, it is, it is right on the edge of being a horror book in my. Opinion. I think sometimes it crosses that line. It, I, oh, I do, and that's why I said it because other times it's not. It, it jump ropes with that boundary. I would agree with that. Yeah. It it is not walking the line. It is dancing back and forth across yeah. it. How's that? <laughs> Because, you know, when Hulk literally claws his way out of Banner at one point and explodes him doing so, yeah. that's horror. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and it's it's also doing the thing that Al Ewing is so spectacular at, which is taking all of these bits of continuity and retcons and reinterpretation and re-explanation and sort of forging a cohesive mythology around them. Yeah, I, I love that word for this which is reinterpreting because like it kind of like we talked about earlier it's all the same stuff that was there it's just looking at it differently and putting it in a way that kind of organizes it yeah. yeah or let you think of it in a new way yeah, yeah. i love it speaking of al ewing taking a bunch of disparate here history and <laughs> forging a mythology around it road to empire the kree scroll war now admittedly this issue is not ewing this is robbie thompson sort of uh picking up some Prepping. history around but this is our first taste of empire which is ewing and dan slot doing a lot of what they do best with all this crazy history mm-hmm. and i feel like this issue is really the first taste of how those pieces come together uh we read incoming back in december and i remember even there like talks of some myth about a tree and some prophecy about a right. tree and this gives us that and what that means yeah so right up front i want to say um i was i thought maybe when i saw this that this was just going to be like a history re- like a you know kind of a history of the marvel universe type yeah. thing just a history recap kind of thing yeah. um free scroll war grand design <laughs> right it is not just that right this actually has some modern and picks up threads that were left kind of sitting from a couple of things uh in a modern context and uses that to then it does include some some pages that are very you know history of marvel universe-esque to tell the kind of the the prepping history that you will need for empire yeah it's it's so it's taking as its framing device yep. the scroll family from meet the scrolls uh yes which was written by robbie thompson this is also written by robbie thompson yeah and it uses sort of their status quo and the trauma that they have each felt to tell this history not only tell this history but to sort of set a context for yep maybe this ongoing conflict is bad maybe a decades-long war or centuries-long war is untenable and bad for everyone and there are no winners right um which i like as a way to sort of get us to okay well is it realistic that these two civilizations would just stop warring sure yes we get it in the personal scale so we can extrapolate to the larger you know planet to planet scale um i love uh, probably my favorite 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 part of this book is so uh, it starts off with the family and they're investigating something and the place where they are gets blown up by a um cree yeah cree agent and um they survive i'm you know you can read to find out how and all that but essentially <laughs> then they're going to track down this uh cree agent and kill them yeah and the whole time, Ivy, who is the one that they rescued in the Meet the Scrolls, uh, is questioning, why do we have to be at war? What's what's wrong with there just being peace, right? Um, but it culminates in, they come up to the building where this Cree is, and, um, you know, the mom says, the man in that house is directly responsible for your father's murder. And the daughter's like, and I forgive him, just like I forgive you for raising us in this life of 
this conflict. Yes. And the mother, there's like three panels of just her expression and like like realizing this and the whole thing. And then her response is actually like one of the most real things in this whole thing. Where she gets out of the car and says, make your own choices, girls. I've made mine. And how hard it can be for someone that was raised a specific way in their life to make a change. Yeah. Right. Then she goes up and basically kicks in the door and walks in. And it turns out this uh, Cree agent is with his family, mm -hmm. who was clearly like a plant amongst, you know, humanity or whatever. And then she can't bring herself to do it with the family there. And then they all get a message from Teddy. And then they all get a message from Teddy. Yeah. What I really like about the way I like a lot about this issue, but what I really yes. like about the way this issue chooses to give the history of the conflict, because it does, it gives a lot of history. It does give it. And it, it, I mean, it is the perfect setup vehicle, but it's done in a fantastic way. I like the way that it does that being as a part of this moral philosophical argument yep the mother and ivy are each laying out why it has to be the way it is because this happened well this shows it can be this way yes but that was a lie but if everyone believed the lie and it works what does it matter that it was a lie there's peace right um doesn't mean truth can't come from it right right yeah which i think is a way way better way to give us that history than just to info dump yeah. um and i say that as someone who like i needed a lot of that history this is setting up an event that is pulling disparate chunks of history from yep. anywhere from like single issues of fantastic four to line-wide crossovers to cosmic stuff that predated annihilation and therefore yep. and really predated the guardian of the galaxy getting a movie and therefore sort of lived in the margins of what was going on yeah like i knew the i have read the kree scroll war like the original avengers kind of thing yeah um but uh, you know n never the parts about mantis and the prophecy and this other history that we get so yes i very much needed it as well yeah. and again this this right here any comic greater person that may ever hear this this is how you should present this kind of information as as an inclusive natural flow of a story that you're also yeah. telling it's wonderful yes all right x-men time our mutant stories giant size x-men nightcrawler number one or a ghost story or a ghost story uh yeah this was this was a really really another like i, I can't say enough about any of the mutant books going on right now this is a great one shot yeah um, um i'm just gonna go straight into this and spoilers i guess but we finally get the explanation for what a, where one of my absolute favorite mutant characters is and why he's there. A little bit of why he's there. There's still more to find out. But uh, we we finally have Warlock. Yeah. Well, we don't really get the explanation. We get that there will be an explanation. Sure. Right. Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll grant you that. Which, like, I like that this also, if you remember a couple of issues of X-Men ago, someone goes to visit Doug and, like, thinks they see warlock playing chess with them and then they look back in as they're walking by and right he's gone like this explains that moment too just implicitly yes um it also has another one of my favorite characters and i have no idea why but trevor yeah i boy i boy <laughs> i love i boy i was i was shouting at someone the other day about how great i boy is and how like <laughs> again the thing i really want to see in in future x-men movies is we know the claremont characters and cast they're great 
but like make them the teachers and give us give us weird Grant Morrison and Brian Michael Bendis student characters. Yeah. iBoy is right under right under Armor and Glob Herman in my list of characters who I want. There you go. I, I which I mean I'd still love to see a new mutants you know movie or show. Well, or I mean eventually someday the film will come out, Brian. <sighs> Well, we can hope, anyway. It got yeah. a release date again. The, did it? Yeah, they, well, it did, but then, you know, theaters shut down, so it's been TBA oh, right, yeah. again. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, my money's on eventually they just drop it to buy digitally or throw it on Disney Plus or something like that and say, here, please enjoy and buy. But we did finally get official word. They never reshot anything on it. They didn't even do the normal reshoots. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything was just frozen because of the merger. So it oh. is the original film as planned. Whenever we Okay, did. well, yeah. that may... Uh, you know what? That may actually be a real good thing. Well, and in fact, they couldn't go back and do reshoots because since they've got younger actors in it, everyone looked like they had aged too much when they finally yeah. had the chance. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and we also find out where another mutant is that we have not seen in a little while, and that's Lady Mastermind. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we find out what the ongoing current state in the world for the X Mansion will be. Yes, <laughs> which, which is all right then. Yep, no going guess back. So. I guess. Guess not. <laughs> not without an exterminator. Oh, hey, Hellions number um, one. Yeah, super good. Oh my God, this has to be one of the most messed up books in mutant storyline yeah i mean um, the the team the team they put together for this is literally literally the quiet council says well we don't know what to do with these people and sinister's like well all they know is violence so maybe that's the only way to to reach out to them is to let them let them perform acts of controlled violence i'll be in charge says mr sinister oh did i not say mr sinister i thought mr sinister. i don't think you did oh. maybe yeah um <laughs> yeah oh my god also, Mr. Sinister getting into a pauldron war. Uh. <laughs> yes, indeed. That was beautiful. Yeah, I... I went into this one really not knowing what to expect. I read a little bit of Zeb Wells' work, not a ton. Uh -huh. um, but mostly I just, other than Sinister and Psylocke and Havoc, I guess, I don't really know these characters. Um, other than those three, like, I could not have named any of these characters if you had shown me pictures of them. Yeah. Like, uh, Think of this as like a mutant version of kind of Suicide Squad, but like with the most extreme people you could think of on the team, like like Batman who laughs and <laughs> I mean, Cheetah at her most feral. And yeah, yeah, it, it, these are not stable people. Yeah. Um, and Havoc ends up on the team after, like, he blacks out in a mission and almost kills, like, three people. Until yeah. Logan has to stop it. I love that moment of Logan. Logan restrained him. As though, yes. like, you never expect Logan to be the reasonable, calm one. Correct. Um, so, I did have one question about this. Because he did quote Blackout. Do you think this is the same thing that affects Logan and bishop in wolverine i think it's possible but i also think like i feel like this is 
a little bit the game Hickman and everyone working on on X-Men is playing right now, where we saw in House of X and Powers of Ten all these different elements of what came together to be one specific sort of doomsday story, and then have seen variations on theme and the addition of these sort of organic, sort of creeping organic threats. Right. Um... I say organic, uh, botanical, I know you, yeah. botanical yeah. threats. Right. I don't know that this is any one specific thing we have seen before over any other. I mean, we've had, we have the, we have pollen, which is the drug based on the Krakoan flowers mm-hmm. uh, in Wolverine that you're referencing. But we've also seen yep. in X-Force other uh, sort of mystical, su- mystic slash scientific botany experience, experiments. Right. Uh, uh, going bad we've seen let us not forget the uh, old lady eco-terrorists oh horticulture yes Um, we've seen other riffs on sort of the drug idea in right in uh, Fallen Angels but I think I think it could be but I there are so many things it could be and so many of them are variation on theme and parts of what feel like have to eventually be a bigger thing that I don't know which of them i don't know that there's a front runner either i i I, i'm and the only reason i ask honestly is i i'm curious just how tightly cohesive these books are going to stick oh i mean incredibly but i think for the same reason that 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 makes it possibly pollen without pollen ever being mentioned in this book is the same reason why it could be six other things yeah, okay, that's that's very fair. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I do want to point out... But I want to say, the... I love that ambiguity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do, too. I do, too. I like yeah. it. Is I love... So the Quiet Council approves this plan, I guess you could call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, with... Uh, I love the conditions that they put in place on this, though. Yes. So the first one is that the chances of human casualties are nil, meaning that there can be no possibility of humans getting hurt in this. Um, that sounds unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, violent overreaction is the ideal, meaning that whatever the mission is, like the level of violence that is is needed, is exactly why you want these people. Yeah, and that there's therapeutic. <laughs> value in the carnage that they in other words this release this chance for them to release this is beneficial to them yeah yeah um i i I like there's a description somewhere in here i don't remember exactly where it is where they say something about like unleashing them is a bull in a china shop the only reason we would approve this is if we have a mission where we need a lot of broken china You know what it honestly, like, their rules honestly make me think of is, like, these are the conditions when the Avengers would call Hulk. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, right? So maybe to modify your Suicide Squad simile, it's like a Suicide Squad that was all Hulks. That's all Hulks. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, and not and not the and not the intelligent, you know, self-controlling ones. No, no, some of those too. I mean, I think. Well, okay. Well, not self-controlling, more like other people controlling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that, yeah, these people are, and like, but I love how intelligent they discuss them as well, right? Like Beast talking about how if you look at why this why this person has this personality and who they have developed into, it's not that there was a psychotic that that developed mutant powers. It's the fact that 
that he was a mutant and has mutant powers caused him to become a psychotic, a sociopath. And that there is a moral obligation to take care of. Yes. Yep. How about Wolverine number two? Oh, I love the, all of them. I love all of them. Yeah. They're all good. Um, Yeah. So we kind of get the repercussions or, you know, the the aftermath of what happens with um, Logan cutting through his teammates, including Gene, right? Yep. Um, and we find out that he is not the only one. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Bishop does something very similar and ends up attacking the other Marauders. Um, and they find out that it is this version of pollen um, that is causing these hallucinogenic and you know violent reactions in people. Um, and the human FBI agent, who is also kind of on the case of pollen, uh, is informed by his daughter that he needs to team up, in spite of the fact that he hates them, he needs to team up with the mutants because this is their problem and they're the ones who can help him solve it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't take advice from a sick child and how to investigate a drug cartel. <laughs> maybe don't. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe don't. Maybe don't. But yeah, it's not going well for anybody at this point. In this story. Yeah. Uh, um, no, this is somehow possibly the darkest X-Men book. Yeah. I, I am super, super curious who this pale girl is, though. Yes. I really, really want to know who this is. Me too. Yeah. X-Men number nine. This book, however, <laughs> does have my quote of the week in it. Brian's quote of the week. Quote, quote. Yay. So, um, this story is, uh, the X-Men going out, they have the King Egg, which is why the Brood have invaded, uh, Krakoa and come to Earth in the, in the giant starfish and, uh, space whales, space, space whales, right. Um, and essentially they get it, they take it into, uh, into a spaceship and get it off Earth and the Brood are chasing them again. Um, and they end up going into Shire space and... Uh, uh, essentially, um, you know, in the last episode we had, uh, uh, oh shoot, why am I drawing in his name? Brew? Uh, no, Magister, oh. um, and his son were, um, the Magister and his son were on a hunting trip where they were just spending father-son time together, right? And they find out that there is a, uh, accuser, a, a Cree accuser, uh, in Shire space. So they go to intercept him. <laughs> And they come in and, you know, essentially the the accuser says, all will be Judge Magister, blah, blah, blah. You know, the fact that I get to take you out in this makes it only more righteous. And his son looks at him and he says, hey, Dad. Yes. You know how you're always busy running the Empire and you promised this would be some uninterrupted me and you time without any Imperial nonsense? I do. Well, I'll forgive you if you fuck this guy up for me. (laughs) (laughs) And he does. Yes. (laughs) immediately <laughs> yes that's my that's i love that yeah. uh but essentially they all end up crashing down together on this world in the shyar empire and the brood all come and they are all about to get completely and totally annihilated by the horde brood yeah. brood horde yeah and then then we learn that maybe you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs <laughs> Especially if it's a king egg. Yeah. And we find out exactly what the king egg is and why it does what it does. And, um, wow. All hail, hail to the king, baby. That's all I can say. Yep. Uh, X-Men Fantastic Four number three. We get a tenuous truce between the X-Men and Fantastic Four. This is another one of those that is set up in into what has now become a three-way struggle. 
Yes. Power struggle between Doom and the Fantastic Four and the X X folk. And I love how they are constantly pitted against and playing off of each other in this. Yes. Yeah. 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 And by the end of this one, like it still really feels like all along maybe Doom has been pulling the strings. Oh. Doom 100% sets them up in this Yeah. One. Oh, complete. He knows exactly what they're going to try and do, and he has something in place to essentially lead them into a trap where they do something, and he now has justification for response. Yeah. Yep. Some big old Doom bots. That and, uh, God, are Franklin and Valeri just the best or what? They are 100% the best. I have I have said for a very long time, Valeria is the best, period. Yeah, I, but I love Franklin when he stands up to his dad and says, Nope, I'm staying. Until Doom what he says, does what he says he can do, you don't give me orders anymore. I'm not four years old, and I'm not Uncle Ben or Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and Valeria goes, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great, great story. I like it a lot. Uh, Emma and Sue trying to get along is also (laughs) delightful. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. One more book. No One's Rose. This is a new vault comic by Zach Thompson and Emily Horn. This is set in the future, in the post-Anthropocene era, after we have fucked up the environment so badly that... The only civilization we see in this, at least, lives under a dome in a city built entirely in and around a biologically engineered tree that helps maintain breathable oxygen. That's like, what, 20, 25 years from now? It's the late 21st century, so (laughs) okay, 30, 35 years from now. Yeah, exactly. Um, they give a latitude and longitude, and it is just off of Lake Hudson in Canada. Uh, because I did double check and see where that would put it. This has some, like, classic JRPG vibes, in that it's this socially stratified city that is self-contained. In terms of, book, like, the whole city is, is ecologically self-sufficient, it is agrarian, it creates zero waste. But we see both sides of this through this pair of siblings, whose father was, like, a former scientist who was disowned and kicked out exiled because he broke some rules uh his daughter is a science officer a biological engineer like wunderkind rising through the ranks and her brother is a sanitation engineer working in the part of the city like the very 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 bottom converting waste into clean water day in and day out and she is trying to work inside the system he is joined up with these sort of revolutionary type characters who or organization who like their whole thing is yes okay we've built this city but it's still built on other people you oh, it's not built on rock and roll no it is not no. they in fact at one point he pulls out their father's old ipod or whatever and is listening to uh hungry like the wolf and she chastises him for bringing out these plastic products because they ruined the world so it is pretty categorically anti-rock and roll oh well there you go yeah yeah um so this issue is like the two of them the guy talks his sister into like coming with him up to see this parade that is happening in the upper levels uh where neither of them can get because they're both poor unless and until she gets this promotion um and she lets him talk her into it and 
they go up to see the parade and then he uh opens the door so to speak for this uh group who he has joined up with to sort of uh crash the parade let's say and revolt essentially gotcha and they are plant people we got a lot of plant people this week a lot of plant people yeah um and that's where this leaves off it's it's very cool there's a lot of really really solid world building here i gotta, I, I gotta say i do like the idea of the alliteration of plant people at panelology yeah so that's good uh that's your panelology plant person platform that's it perfect all right is it still good brian animosity yes. number 27 it is still real good we uh we find out how sandor and the new gladiators friends that he has made uh and the other group that's in the city plan to help them escape from it angel and spike number 10 brian um spike has to give angel a pep talk that's it all right i was waiting for an and or a but uh once in that's f- enough that's enough once in future number seven uh arthur sends galahad to rob the british museum but someone else robs a library at the same time and gets away with it hidden society number two brian um maybe sometimes you should listen to the crazy scientist who predicts the end of the world if experience has taught me anything it's always listen to the crazy scientist who predicts the end of the world tomorrow number two probably the i'm gonna gonna step aside just real quick this may be the best representation of uh somebody on the autistic spectrum and kind of how they see some things and interpret something specifically probably i'm guessing this kid has asperger's um and the description of how he misreads some things is really really good um so i'm just gonna throw that out there cool but regardless uh it doesn't take long for things to start looking very lord of the flies <laughs> action comics number 1021 brian um everybody backstabs everybody and we're now kind of at a balance of power basket full of heads number six <laughs> um June messes a lot of people up before she makes a critical mistake. Far Sector number five, we learn a bit about Agent Mullane's past and get a little more context for what's going on in the present. The Flash, number 752, Brian. Um, Barry throws away Paradise to... Put up a parking lot. <laughs> throws, no. <laughs> Barry throws away Paradise to run to the person he least wants to see in all of existence. The last god number six um i i don't know how to say the other than more of the story i mean you had this uh, honest to god if you're not already reading this in week to week wait for the trade in this it's gonna read so fantastic in trade but it's it really is just one big story legion of superheroes number five we get along with john the second half of the history of the formation of the legion and learn the real reason why they brought john to the future uh suicide squad number four The Suicide Squad takes a road trip through Australia and comes to an understanding off the grid. And then the actions of one of their former teammates come back to haunt them. (laughs) I see what you did there. Wonder Woman number 754. Uh, Diana agrees to help Maxima reclaim her throne now that uh, they know the true history of 
her planet. Eve Stranger number five. This is the story of how Eve met her mother. 2020 Forceworks number two. Brian. Um, ain't, ain't nobody like Deathlocks? It's too bad <laughs> or, I've already oh. used that joke about getting a big head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the other one is, uh, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, um, I was going to say, ain't nobody like Deathlocks or U.S. Agent. <laughs> Clap for Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> Nice. Black Panther, number 22. Uh, T'Challa fights his ancestors for the right to party. I mean, to reinstate the memories of all of the enslaved, space-going Wakandans. Star, number three, Brian. Wanda tries to help Riley, but... uh... Turns out, maybe who she needs is Black Swan. Quantum and Woody number three. Quantum and Woody go back to high school to investigate a ghost. <laughs> Zoinks! Feels weird going straight from that, skipping over to next week's books to read into the outro, doesn't it? <laughs> yep, I guess we just bloop, 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 just yeah. skip right along those, because, uh, yeah, so next week's books to read are whatever you've already got, or trades you might want to pick up, or... Yeah. yeah, and like I said, once we once we come up with a plan, if it's going to be, uh, hey, we read this thing and talk about it at length, I'll give you a heads up on Twitter so that you can read along if you want. I love it. Yeah, yeah. we're we're discussing a couple of, a few options. Yeah, um, we'll make up our minds. Yeah, probably by Wednesday. That leaves us the same amount of time we always have to plan or to yeah. read. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, in that case, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, or buy merch with our logo on it at bit.ly slash merch. That's capital P, capital M. Uh, I am also going to say tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, there is a new episode of Minds of Yerk coming out, Minds at Yerk coming out. That is uh, something completely different that I sprung on my co-hosts without telling them up front about uh, and was a lot of fun. And I, I, yeah, I, like I haven't, I'll be like, I've, I've heard hit or miss episodes of Minds at Yurt. Uh, I will definitely be, be uh, checking this one out though. When you say hit or miss, you mean uh, irregular, not Irre- summer good do, yeah. and summer. Okay, just no, no. I just do. clarifying. I, do. I totally mean yes. <laughs> I totally mean I am not a consistent every week listener. Yeah, I catch enough to kind of know what's going on, but yeah. Um, this is up there with that time we decided to write the plot for a book. Tim incorrectly guessed the plot of the episode before. <laughs> yes. Um, it is right up there with that, and that is all I will say. I am very excited. I I think it went super well, and I was very nervous going into it, so. Wonderful. Uh, tune in to that if you want something weird and different and distracting, and you don't have to have much or any prior knowledge of Animorphs or be up to date on that podcast to listen to that episode. Brian, you got anything to add? I got nothing right now, man. Alrighty, well, I'm Alex. I'm Brian. Go read what comics you can and stay safe, folks. Mm-hmm.